Hello and welcome in to another episode of Podcast 63. Season 2, episode 20. Um, Lou, do you know what this special day is? Cam Crutwick Triple Double Day? No, that was back in December. Aww. Today is the one year anniversary of this little podcast, of Podcast 63. Oh, this little podcast, look at that. We made it to our, I think the first year anniversary is paper, so I got you a piece of paper. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. I didn't even get you anything, so that means a lot. <laughs> How dare you? But you know what we could get? What? Is to win out the rest of the season. That, that would, that would be, be cool. great. That would be great. But <sighs> it's happy that we've been talking for a full year about uh, Loyola Rambler men's basketball and sometimes different things here and there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun this past year, and thank you to listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a big road ahead of us as fans and as a team coming up, so we're going to be chatting about it, but yeah. Yeah, it's been a fun year. Thank you all for listening. Um, hope you keep listening. Please keep listening. We yes. do it for you. Or tell us that you don't like it, and we'll change it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so this episode, another another week that's one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, so we have some good things to talk about, some not-so-good things to talk about, uh, some more uh, small national recognitions. Uh, some rankings, and then at the end, uh, we're just over halfway through conference season. Yeah, we've played every team once at least. Yep. Um, so we're gonna talk just a little bit about like uh, who we think predictions for uh, All Valley first team player of the year, rookie of the year, and newcomer of the year. So uh, we'll talk about that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, and don't forget, go Blurs. So the first thing we have to talk about here, um, I usually post on the podcast every week or so uh, a little bit of our national rankings from a couple different places, so I figure that's a good place to start. Um, one of my favorite uh, ranking systems, which is Haslametrics, uh, Eric Haslam, the founder of the, of the ranking system, tweeted uh, that notable teams on the climb after Saturday's games, and he specifically mentioned us, Loyola Chicago, moving up 16 spots at number 75. It's always fun to see that, you know, our name along with other teams such as, like, you know, high majors, like Wake Forest technically is a high major. Um, And then you have, like, South Carolina and Colorado and stuff like that. So always cool to see uh, we're one of the the biggest move-ups in the nation this past weekend. Um, Another ranking system that we've talked about before uh, is Mid-Major Madness um, and... Specifically, the site as a whole ranks, and we were, I think, number 22 uh, from the site as a whole. But then one of my favorite writers, uh, Cameron Newton his na- is his name, quite like the quarterback, uh, Cameron Newton. Uh, he has his own rankings, and kind of funny enough, he has us as number 17, and we are just above Furman, which I thought was pretty ironic, considering Furman's we got... Furman's always there for us. Absolutely got our, our, you know, stuff knocked uh, against them earlier in the year. Um, but it's always cool to see us in the rankings. Um, and then just some of the other other numbers besides Haslametrics, um, who he's kind of the average of the, the three that I like the most. Um, the one that has the highest, which is Bart Torvik, had us at 66th. Ken Palm has us at 79. And then the one outlier that I found was uh, Massey Ratings, who has us at 105, which is 
I think a little a little off, but yeah. That's but then right. didn't they have us as a high defense? Yeah, their I think their defensive rating for us was twenty sixth, yeah. and our offense was like three hundredth and something. Yeah, so, so I, I think quite honestly, some radical. people value so many things differently. So as you can see, that the website that ranked us one hundred fifth ranks defense so high, but yeah. doesn't think some of our key things in offense are great, which is understandable. I do think our defense is keeping us in the game for sure. Um, so I, I don't think our offense is clicking, especially uh, my pet peeve of the whole year is how we're officiating pretty much the three point shooting. Mm-hmm. But, um, these kind of rankings are a good sign of improvement. I don't think really start kind of, of non-conference. We were that really certain Highly of where we'd got to yeah. go. Um, so I think this is a cool sign to see. Um, then also hopefully we can push a little bit more before the next U and I game. Um, though we'll talk about this uh, most recent loss and then um, how things will be going. But I think this is a good uh, kind of horizon to look toward. Yeah, I'd love to see what we we're at at this point last year in all the rankings. Because if I remember, I feel like we're higher this year. Because I think the Valley as a whole was worse last year. And so like we weren't getting, like Bradley for us was a top 100 win. Um, I see like, what you're saying. Yeah, no, because even good. Indiana State's even like 104 or something like that. That's interesting because even so, just speaking of rankings and how valuable I think the MVC is this year is you and I received votes this week in the top twenty-five, right. even for losing uh, like games to Southern Illinois and earlier they, in the season. Earlier in the season, yeah, it, they lost to, to Illinois State in the beginning of the, in the conference play, but yet those games aren't hurting them to not receive votes. Right. So it's actually crazy because if you and I wins out, I could see them in the top twenty-five. Um, Definitely. So even with the losses on their uh, their freaking calendar like it's just unreal to think but mm-hmm. i think that just shows you that last year mvc was one loss put you back to eighth one win put you up to third right this year it's like hey it's competitive but there is like the top teams and the bottom teams yeah so i think that's kind of something that's a separation but also showing you that the top are pretty great teams definitely yeah so uh lou what was the one uh, one article you had found that was pretty interesting yeah so as we always talk about highlights and like the news and everything i think it's cool that um the men's basketball kind of wrote this little snippet on highlighting former Ramblers playing pro basketball. Um, so as you know, right now we have no NBA current uh, player. Uh, we do have two, which I'll talk about two players in the NBA G League. Um, but then also we have uh, various uh, players across uh, the globe, uh, mainly in Europe. That's a huge concentration. Again, is the NBA is not the only source. Uh, Europe's got a great source of basketball, um, and we've seen many guys there. Uh, but right now, we're going to have a little snippet. So uh, start off, of course, is the great Milton Doyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, but for those of you who do, he's still with the Windy City Bulls where he started this year, the NBA G League team of the Chicago Bulls. Um, I think he's having a great year. So in 26 games, he's averaging 19.3 points a game, 4.3 rebounds, 5.7 assists, and 2.2 steals, shooting 34% from three, which is pretty good. And he's one of the most decorated players to wear the local uniform, they say. Um so the the thing is like, and he just scored thirty four points in on January fourth. So Milton Doyle, I think, is having a heck of a year, year. We've talked off the pod, offline, that we think he could easily get a call up. Not hating on the local Chicago Bulls, but I really don't see him yeah. making a playoff push. So I kind of would hopefully would like to see Milt get some time where he can show off because he's been playing great. Um, so for Birdie, if you're listening, Milt's mom, we uh, wish him the best. Milt, hopefully you listen, but keep doing you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next was Jordan Hicks. Um, Jordan Hicks, he played a while ago, so he's definitely not a guy in the last four years, kind of Final Four run or anything. But uh, Hicks plays out in France. Um, he plays actually with Tours, and um, 
He's led them to a couple of victories. Uh, definitely produced 20 points and five rebounds in a game a few days ago. Uh, but he's really elevated, it says, his uh, scoring the last two seasons. Uh, double digits in the six of his team's last 11. Um, again, a uh, guy great from uh, Minnesota, just kind of still playing ball on Loyola Ramblers. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, once again, he's playing the French Division III League. So cool to see him play. Next now is our other and second G League player, Dante Ingram. So another pre- recent player that we all know, Ingram. Um, and of course, they got to highlight his shot against Miami. But he's, uh, he's been playing for the Greensboro Swamp. So I believe that's the Hornets uh, G League team. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been he's kind of been, I think, more off the bench. He's played in 21 appearances. Low 3.3 points per game. But he's I think it's cool that he's there. I yeah. think that's an impactful thing, um, to say the least. Uh, but he's only been, what, two years out um, mm-hmm. of Loyola, so I think to still be with um, the idea of a G League. He was with the Dallas Mavericks before, now with the Greenboro Swamp, uh, Swarm. And uh, we actually saw him play um, a few highlights with, against Milton. So I think yep. that was cool, and they promoted that. So um, uh, we got last uh, five guys, but we're going to quick them round them out here. Andre Jackson, um, another recent uh, grad, is playing for in Cyprus. Um, he started off the season with someone, I believe, I think in like, uh, Ukraine, but ended up in Cyprus. So, uh, pretty cool. He's been uh, recording six blocks, or sorry, six points and a pair of blocks recently. So, that, congrats to him. Uh, moving down, Ben Richardson, another local guy, or recent guy. Um, he's playing in the Czech Republic. So, last year he was playing in Poland, now with Czech Republic. So, that's cool to see. He's averaging actually 12.3 points a game. Oh, wow. Good three point. assists a game and two steals a game. So, um, he's pretty much showing up, I think. Um, and that's really cool, I think, to see him in double digits points per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tracy Robinson, uh, nothing that we know of recent, uh, but they say he's playing down in Brazil. I think I remember this from last year. Um, he was a 2008 Loyola graduate, so way before our time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's doing well down there, um, and he's having fun. So um, a name that I definitely know about, um, I think one of the top Loyola grads to play somewhat professional ball, but he, not just somewhat, but he plays in Europe, is Blake Schlieb. Um, plays in France. Um, he's won Euro League before. He's been on big teams before. So to see him still play, I think he's at past his thirty uh, age. So I think mm-hmm. he's been playing long, and I think that's awesome to see. Um, it's kind of funny because they talk about how a three-time first team All Horizon League, and I actually was joking. I saw the Summit League um, asked uh, people to rank their top ten uh, decade team, uh-huh. and a few Loyola guys were on it. So it's kind of cool to see. These guys in different conferences still be playing. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then last but not least, a recent guy with a team that we know of through Milton Doyle's time, but Marcus Towns playing for UCAM um, Murcia in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing pretty well. He's doing decent, averaging 6.3 points a game, um, one steal a game uh, in his 12 games so far this season. So I think this is, again, uh, Marcus's first year um, playing abroad. Everyone here has had one or more years uh, playing kind of professional basketball. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see maybe something different from Marcus as he gets through his first year. But uh, I think it was really cool to highlight uh, former Ramblers. I know during the games they show different things and where guys are and see things. And I think this just helps build that whole culture that's going on that Porter really started but also connects uh, past and present. Definitely. Yeah, uh, the only other thing I have, uh, there was a fun write-up, uh, Seth Davis had it in the athletic, uh, just kind of like recapping the season that's been in college basketball, uh, from everything to like surprise stories, Cinderella stories, biggest disappointments, you know, you name it. 
and he had a section on hidden gems, and the number one hidden gem that he had was Cameron Crutwig. And, yeah, he just kind of mentioned that he's kind of the do-it-all type um, for us, and he said that he that Cam was top five in, in the Valley in points, rebounds, uh, assists, steals, field goal percentage, and assist-to-turnover ratio, and also made a special mention of the triple-double against Vanderbilt back in December. So always cool to see uh, him get his, uh, you know, accolades. And then uh, another great write-up that I liked, uh, I saw on Twitter the other day from Gino Green. If you liked it a lot, yeah, yeah. If you if you guys get the chance to go follow Gino Green uh, on Twitter at the Gino Green, uh, just kind of quickly five points where Loyola student section brought the smoke. So special shout out to the student section. The they pack, were man, they were crazy. They were really really great. Um, I watched uh, the broadcast. You could hear the students and the fans every single play. So super cool. Uh, his number two point was Kennedy getting the job done in a different way, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He also made mention to the one-two punch of uh, Tate Hall and Cam Crowig. Um, then he man- mentioned revenge best served cold, uh, specifically talking about our loss to Bradley last year in Arch Madness and how we got a revenge. And then the last point was uh, holding serve on defense. So we'll talk about all that but it's really cool to see just like other people's perspectives and see how they kind of align with ours or maybe mention something that we've never thought of. So, uh, I think that's going to do it for the news section. Uh we're going to hop into the two game recaps here in a minute, so stick with us. Yeah. No, I agree. I I, I think there's a lot more we can see from Lucas, which I 100% There's a lot more we can see from Lucas. Which I 100% wholly, wholly disagree with. Alright, so the first game of the week did not go the way that we had planned. Although we both thought it was going to be a close game, uh, it ended up being a close game in the wrong direction. So, Lou, what what did we do right, and what did we do wrong in this game? So, what we did wrong was we traveled away from Gentile Arena. Um, <laughs> as we kind of mentioned there in the news section, the fan section, but when you're when we're away from Gentile Arena, uh, we, we kind of were a different team. And I think that's just the away factor. Um, every away game we've played, um, what, we've played four. Mm-hmm. Three out of the four have been losses. Um, and the one win... Oh, five. We beat... Um... Did we beat Illinois State? We, we beat Illinois State. Yeah. Apologies, yeah. But yeah. Illinois State stinks this year, so we're not Well, yeah, and every year. Yeah. But um, let's be honest. So the three losses have all been away so far. This SIU, the UNI OT, and then the Drake. Um, and then the one game we uh, – one of the two games we won away, the Valpo game, that was actually really close. It came down in the last few seconds with the little scary shot, three-pointer and foul kind of thing going on. So away games are tough for us right now. And the thing that, that kind of precursor to is – and maybe I'll hint to it at some point soon as we get toward the end, is like thinking about Valley play and the and the conference tournament just because we're not in Gentile. And I think we got to figure out how to gain that momentum, not just from a fan standpoint, but from a team. Uh, but that kind of leads into team play, and I think that's a huge thing while we're away is talking about kind of just how we can defend. And since de- our offense might not always go well, defense is key. And Marcus Domas, for those who don't know, is a freshman kid on SIU who's killing it. 
We kind of offered him, actually, side note. We'd yeah, like to keep did. track of things. So we were kind of considering him. Funny enough, I do think this is a Brian Mullins kid that he had in his sights. Probably. So I would say we looked at him because of Brian Mullins, and then when Brian Mullins got to be at SIU. So if I don't remember correctly, Marcus Domask actually committed to a school and then rescinded his commit and then yeah. had a few schools like Wright State, um, Illinois State, SIU, and a few others. And us. Yeah. And us as his like top final five. Um and I think yeah, I think he was committed to Western Kentucky, but that's just on another note. Marcus Domask, I think, and I'll get to it, is my freshman of the year. Um, that's my pick right now. The kid's mm-hmm. averaging 14 points a game, dom- dominating. He's dropped a few 20 games. And what do we do? We lock him down. Back-to-back times away, we've been able to dominate and defend the top scorer of that team. And that's amazing. So Marcus Domask, a kid averaging 14.4 points a game, only averaged 6. Um, but he had five assists, which quite honestly, that doesn't really dictate how great a defense we play. Mm-hmm. Um, he was two for six from field goal, one for four from three. So I think we played great defense. Now, again, just like we did before against you and I, when we played great defense on AJ Green, we let up on another player. And this time it was Eric McGill. And there were just no stopping him. And that's the thing that scares me. Eric McGill played all 40 minutes. He went nine for 11 for field goal, two for two from three, seven for eight from free throw. And he scored 27 points. And I'm not saying this kid wasn't on fire and it's a different day. But we were able to stop Marquis Domask. And the issue is if we can only shut down one guy mm-hmm. and let another guy, and I think this comes to the Kimmins situation with you and I, is we got to know when to kind of double dip. When to be able to switch on a guy and not solely worry about one guy. Yes, Marcus Domask or AJ Green could take our team all over. But if we just like leave the wayside by Eric McGill and guys like Kimmins, we're going to kind of get kind of, we're going to get screwed a little bit. And mm-hmm. let's be honest, because we were so worried about these top stars, we forget about other guys. And quite honestly, we see that when teams defend us, mm-hmm. we see guys double team Cameron Crutwick, but yet we see Marcus Kennedy go off, Tate Hall go off. We see Clemens, we see Pipkins, we see anyone stepping up Lucas because they're so worried about our all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the thing is, I feel like we're getting into that groove of like, Oh, let's worry about the main guy. But we forget about other guys. Um, so that's kind of my thing. Um, I know um, there's a few things we, we will maybe talk about on SIU is Barrett Benson. Um, he was their second best scorer. Quite honestly, he made two for two from three. That's not a stat I'm really going to worry about. That no. was kind of pure luck. Um, I think, end of the day, it's the Eric McGill. We played great defense against Marcus Domask. But, like, they really, they we, we got to know when to defend and who to defend the proper way. Um, I think that's just a tough thing uh, from the SIU game for me on that point. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there are some positives in this game. Like, for instance, Marquise Kennedy took over the second half. There was a stretch where he, I think he either scored like seven straight, seven, seven points straight, or seven yeah, baskets. Seven. So I saw a, there was a stretch I saw where actually no team scored except for him. Yeah, and I he think scored, he scored like ten or eleven straight points for Loyola with like while. SIU was scoring. Yeah, yeah, I know. So there was, so I, I can confirm this. There yeah. was a stint where he scored seven straight points and any, no one, no one else. else scored. And then I do think then SIU scored. So I do think it was 14 because he had a, yeah. a three, which I do believe. And I remember Porter kind of, I remember there was a clip. He laughed. But um, us as Loyola only made three threes. Um, and I think Tate Hall uh, didn't hit one until late. And then Marquise Kennedy, I think, was the first one to ignite it in the mm. second half. So... 
Yeah, no, so I just really like, because it wasn't garbage time for Marquis. There was time when we needed someone to score, and he stepped up on the road, and I think he scored either 12 or 14 of his points in the second half, something like that, something very significant, to finish with 18 points, three rebounds, and uh, one assist. I mean, 8 of 11 from the field, like, that. that's a good stat line. That, that's a great stat line for someone off the bench. He almost willed us to win that game by himself. I, I do agree. I think this was a push similar to uh, Cooper Cavus's Bradley game in the conference tournament where this one player solely said, hey, I can do stuff, let me do it, yeah. and kept us in it. Yeah, and the next step for Marquise, as we'll talk about in the next game, is just consistency. And he's showed that he can do it, and he showed he can do it two out of three games, or three out of four games, or three out of five. But, you know, this team, in order to win the regular season or Arch Madness is going to really need him to bring it every night. Um, Cam, you know, had another Cam game, 15 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, very Cam-like, not outstanding, but, you know, we've gotten to this point where we're thinking that's average for him, and, and we have to remember that that is, that's really impressive for any big guy to, to record that stat line. Um, Tate, uh, unfortunately, only made two shots, both were threes, he was two of three. I, I mean, at this point, I really kind of want him to shoot a little bit more. Uh, he's he's shooting very well from the three point line. Actually, that reminds me. Uh, I saw a stat the other day. Who do you think uh, has a better three point shooting percentage? Tate Hall right now this year, or Cooper at the end of last year? Cooper, just barely. It's by like one and a half percent. I think Tate's at forty four. And Cooper finished at like 45 and a half or something. So just like to put that in perspective of... And also Tate is the second best three-point shooter in Missouri Valley play. Yes, yes. So, I mean, he's really showed that he, if nothing else, is a consistent three-point shooter. And um, I, I I hope that they're they're realizing that and, and give him more opportunities. Um, but unfortunately, only finished with six points. And so we really need... Uh, I don't know if he just wasn't looking for a shot, didn't feel comfortable couldn't find openings or they were playing him very tough but uh we definitely need tate to to be a double digit scorer every night um for us in order to be successful i mean other than that struggled from three is probably the biggest story lucas 0 for 6 that's really bad yeah there's I think, no other way to put that i think that the the way i simply see it and this is just the way i'll end on my note of the siu game mm-hmm. i get what siu did but what we didn't do was lucas has to stop shooting threes and that's just what I'm going to say. I think he's the greatest guy we have on the team to drive. We'll talk about it here in the next game, how he's kind of a little confused to drive. Um, Cameron Carter, he's got guys draped over him, so it's tough. But I think Lucas Williams is actually one of the greatest kind of, when he's up to the rim, he can move smoothly up to the glass. But if we want Tate Hall to be able to shoot more, and I think the way to do it is Lucas has got to feed him more, or there's less of Lucas shooting and more of him driving, mm. because then also... Like, yeah, like floaters, mid-range, Exactly, floaters. Of. I think Lucas has got the smoothest thing to the rim, either an elbow jumper. Yep. But the thing is also, when people think Lucas is just going to drive, they're just going to leave him open for threes. Right. And I have no problem with the wide-open threes at all. Mm-hmm. But I think Tate Hall is showing, like we said, shooting percentages. He's a pure, better shooter. Yeah. So I think that's the guy you need taking more shots. And even if three. they're contested, because Tate is a good shooter. Exactly. He's got the frame. He knows how to go up. Yep. I think Lucas is still trying to hone that in, uh, regardless of how many shots he makes. I think his natural thing is to the rim. Yeah. So for me, I think the way to get more shots for Tate is less Lucas shooting and Lucas more driving. And then Tate being able to kind of 
get a loose loose reins on him. Don't get yeah. let him kind of shoot. Now, I'm not asking him to shoot eight threes, but he only shoot shot three. Right. And they made two out of them. So maybe I'd rather shoot Tate two more. shoot six and Lucas shoot three. I'd ra- yeah, exactly. I think we talked about this in the, uh, a few episodes ago. Yeah. Four to six range is a great range for Tate. Yeah. And Lucas, I definitely agreed, was under four. Yep. So um, that's just what I think about three points uh, shooting and how our team's kind of fi- figuring it out. Speaking of three-point shooting, our boy uh, Tom Welch. Hit a three. His first. That's Kobe right. Three. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Congrats, uh, Tom. Well, we got to your. There we yeah, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well done, first Tom. First of many. First of many. We hope. First of many from big guys. Yep. Um. And then my last note, uh, which will lead into the next episode. Free throw shooting in this game was great. Ten of eleven. Oh yes, we forgot to. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll talk because it'll carry over it into will. the next it game. Will, yeah. Um. But yeah, I hear was the only one who missed a free throw, and he was 5 of 6. So still a great, that's, you uh, here, know, I'll take keep that. Keep doing what you're doing, man. This is was great shooting. Key 3 of 3, and then um, Cam and Marquise, both 1 of 1. So a uh, great free throw night. Uh, unfortunately, SIU also had a good free throw shooting night. They were 16 of 20 for 80%. So, you know, um, but, yeah, really three-pointers killed us in this game. Um, and uh, Eric McGill, besides yeah. that, uh, I, thought, I thought it was an okay game. Uh, definitely the away. I'm, I and for listeners who maybe are confused, but I haven't really committed to the idea of the away games are making a big factor to uh, us. Yeah, no. And I think it this signified that yeah, when we're away, it's a different team that we're that we show up as. Yeah. And I think we need to just fix that. And quite honestly, it's funny because when you get to conference play, um, for those who don't know, the fans are kind of divided to who they're rooting for. Right. Because some fans will root for one team because they don't want this other team. Um. So we won't see a collective, uh, like, loud, we'll see a divide. But mm-hmm. just that atmosphere is going to get me a little worried as I see these games on a away standpoint. Yeah. Um, but SIU, I think, also is, is giving a surprise to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're top of the conference as well. They're right there with us. Yep. Um, so I think that is a big surprise as well. So hats off to them. They beat um, us. They beat you and I. And so they're just on uh, track to wreck it. Yep. Um, yeah, so I think uh, that'll finish up the SAU game. Dropped it sixty-eight to sixty-three, and at that time we moved to six and three in conference play. Uh, next game, much better. Uh, pretty much exactly what the doctor ordered. I was nervous for this game. Bradley always plays us tough. They've given us trouble before. Um, they've always they've been a thorn in our side. Uh, and many people said redemption game. Yeah, yeah, revenge, redemption, whatever, whatever you want to call it. There, um, yeah, it, it was definitely that for Loyola. A lot of pressure, um, but our guys showed up. Um, specifically, they showed up and decided to play some really spectacular defense in the second half to hold Bradley to only twenty-one points in the second half um, and fifty-one total. Uh, and Loyola won sixty-two to fifty-one. Um, for me, highlights got to be Cam again. Uh, Nineteen points, seventeen rebounds, two assists, uh, two steals. Uh, played great defense on both of their big guys. Um, no one from Bradley scored over eight points, which is pretty astounding. That's some good team defense. You know, we've talked about Lou how like we usually will hold their best player, and then their second best player goes off. That didn't happen this time. We held Brown to eight points, who's, you know, arguably their best player. You know, the, maybe their second best player is Nate Canal now, because reigning sixth man of the year. Yeah, reigning sixth man of the year. Nick, I think he's not played really up to what he has been doing. Mm. I I think 
Yeah, I would. I think Dana Kingsby. Um, is Just from the, a pure, I think pure scoring, I would say Canal, but Kingsby is probably a better all-around player. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, King. It's weird because quite honestly, if we're gonna be honest, Bradley was uh, kind of even scoring game. The three guys scored eight. Two guys scored seven points for them. So they kind of spread out, but also they don't. Daryl Brown is a leader, but without Elijah Childs, I think this is a totally different team. Um, there's not a pure push, passion, strong guy. So it's interesting to see who steps up. And quite honestly, as we're debating right now, there's a mixture of guys stepping up. So mm-hmm. I think for I just think it was impressive that we have noted that they have let the other guys who aren't their number one players go off. And that didn't happen this time. No, and I agree. Yeah. yeah. So we, it, it was very much a team defensive effort rather than like an individual defensive effort, by, whether it be by Lucas or Tate or whatever. It was the whole team played great defense, I thought, throughout the whole game. Specifically, I'm going to mention it again, I thought Tate played incredible defense on Nate Cannell. I've watched that game like two times now pretty much, um, and it, it's like it's suffocating. Like Nate Cannell had no idea how to get up a shot. He was always out of rhythm. Tate was in his face time and time again. It was really, really impressive to watch. I think a way to hint on that is you see the steals. We have Cam with two, Tate with two, yep. Lucas with two, Marquise with two, and then you got one, one, one. So I think this team, this defensive stint showed us what we should do. Mm-hmm. Is yes, a lot of people are going to score, but no one's going off. You're not mm-hmm. let, you're not le- leaving one guy to go off the whole game. You're able to kind of control your tempo. See who's scoring. Let let a score happen, and then kind of collect yourselves and like battle back from it, and not just let a guy go up four straight points or six straight points. Um, and I think because of these steals, you see how many people were into the defense, how many people were getting in people's faces. Not just Tate, but Tate was a great example because of he was on a guy like Canal. But when you have other teams being able to get in people's faces or being on the ball, I think is going to be so impactful. Mm-hmm. So seeing this kind of steal count. I think is a huge indicator of where we can go. So we kind of mentioned the last game how we wish to see Lucas and Tate's three-point attempt switch. So in the game against SIU, Lucas had six, and he missed all. Tate had three, and he made two of three. In this game, Tate took seven, made three, which is a pretty good three-point percentage. Lucas only took three and made one. So, I mean, that's what happened. They switched pretty much. And they made more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so that's the thing. Uh, again, Tate with the forty-two percent, I believe, yeah. uh, free throw. I mean, three-point, and then Lucas with the thirty-three percent. Like that's about right. That's exactly where I feel comfortable. Do I think seven is a little strenuous? Yeah, but quite honestly, but he could make four or five easily. Exactly. If, you know, and then like, the other like, thing is, no one else is really shooting that much. So no. as we've both talked about off the pod, is we don't have a three-point shooter this year except for Tate. Yeah. And I think. A different team, and we just can't talk about it because it's going to put a tear in my eye, is what if we had Cooper? And it's just hard. And the thing is, I do think if we had Cooper, it would be less emphasis on Lucas needing to shoot the three. And most importantly, the team would have way better hair. Way better hair. We should do a bounty or suave commercial. (laughs) But you know what? If we're going to get... The, what's the company that Troy Palomalu is sponsored by? Head oh, Head & Shoulders, yes. Defense, offense, there you go. We need to get Cooper a sponsorship. We will. Cooper, if you're listening or anyone who works for Head & Shoulders, we want Cooper to get a Head & Shoulders campaign. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of a campaign, this was a tough one, I think. This kind of also was a – for at least a hope for Porter. He was like, last time you pretty much played Bradley, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat you and took away your chance of going to the tournament or yep. going to the NCAA tournament. So mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. Granted, this is a totally different team without Elijah Childs, but I think this is a team that you can't second guess. And I think, quite honestly, we saw that in the first half. We let them come back. Yeah. And that was the thing that annoyed me a lot uh, was this whole we can't hold our lead. And that then scared me because we're traditional this year of not scoring in the second half and letting things just unfold and not be able to produce. So uh, definitely, I think, a concern, the fact that we let Bradley come back from a deficit of maybe 10-plus um, and then we didn't really respond. We let them come back, and then they drain a three with the last few seconds left, and they're only down one. Well, so, well the thing is, we did respond. It just took half time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's the thing. So the, the only thing is, when the, thank God, I guess it was in the first half, right, and right, we didn't right. let this in the second half because we, we've had a history this year, and I think that's a <laughs> Not, kind of a, yeah. a storyline that happens in some games, especially early. We didn't score in the second half. We were dead. We were quiet. And so I think that kind of – when you see that play in early in the first end the first half, you're like, "Whoa! Uh-oh. What type of team's coming out in the second half?" Yep. Um. So a different team came out in the second half. They didn't team. allow. I I think Bradley didn't score for the first like four and a half minutes, and then they made. I think they only had like two shot two field goals made in the first like eight minutes or something like that. So it was really impressive. They they made a three. A fadeaway step back three by I think Kingsby or Brown, and then uh, they had an and one, and then another three, and that was the only field goals they made in the first like eight or nine minutes of the second half. Yeah, so they only they scored only three points in the first six minutes, and yeah, ten seconds. That's that. so that was a great. Regardless, see that's the thing is we only scored six points yeah. <laughs> in those six minutes, but we held them. Yeah. So that's the thing is like I don't I think it's kind of we're wishing for too many things if right. I expect us to. Go off, but I would love a nice 10 0 run, maybe. And we did that against Illinois State, if I remember correctly. It was, we was close first half, and second half went out on that 10 0 run. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, I think moving forward, we need to either play contested first half, but be a different team coming out into the second half. Mm-hmm. I think a team that can control the start of the second half will control the entire game mm-hmm. and how it finishes. And that's just the thing. And Bradley. It's definite when we needed. I think last week, if we look back, we both said the SIU game was going to be close. Bradley, though, I think we both pushed for easy wins, a little bit more comfortable wins because of the team that we were. And because we, we were at home. We were, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I think for me to round out how I think of this past week, I think the away factor is a factor that I did not want to admit before, and now I'm going to actually admit it. Um, the other factors are we have to now play the top players on each team up to par, but we cannot forget about other guys who can score. Definitely. Um, Eric McGill, Kimmins on you and I. Um, so I think the Bradley game is a great indication of what we can do. Let a whole bunch of guys score, but no one go off and no one have that great of a game where it dictates the rest of the game. Yeah, my biggest thing that I think uh, I'd like to finish up on is free throws. Uh, one of the best uh, free throw shooters from the last game also had a big game this game. Uh, here... Had eight of nine free throws, and I want to say that all of those are in the second half, or at least six of them were in the second half. And he made a bunch down the stretch too. Him and uh, I think Clemens had two, uh, two big free throws uh, towards the end of the the game. Um, all of his free throws were in the second half. All of, uh, here. All, all here. Yep. Yeah. Um, so great to see from him, especially considering that he didn't have any other points besides that, but he was driving and getting fouled or getting offensive rebounds and getting fouled. Um, and you know, maybe some of those 
opportunities will turn into and ones rather than just him missing a layup or getting fouled and, and then shooting free throws. But either way, still really great to see him come through on those free throws um, late in the game, really sealed it, and did not let Bradley have an opportunity to, to, to kind of mount any sort of a comeback. Um, so, yeah, a good game from uh, here considering everything. Um, not a big game from really the bench at all. Only one who scored was Marquise with four points. Yeah, that is a thing we talked about side off the pod was bench points. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that nothing too scary, but something we need to kind of pay attention to on how our bench responds to games. Yeah, uh, it was kind of interesting. Pipkins had a couple of really – he had a wide open three in rhythm that he missed, and he had a really nice uh, like um, short-range jump shot that I think he makes eight times out of ten he missed. And he missed both of his free throws too. So he had opportunities – um, I'm hoping that that's just kind of a one-off and that doesn't happen to him again or consistently because I do think he is a good scorer. Uh, he's very athletic, and I'm hoping that he'll uh, he'll come back here soon and have a you know a nice eight or ten point scoring game sometime soon. Um, but yeah, I think that's gonna do it uh, for the game recaps. Um, the other thing we want to talk about is just a little bit of like a mid-season, a mid-valley uh, season review, um, and talk about player of the year. I misspoke earlier. There's no newcomer of the year. There, or there is, there is only new. Wait, what did I say earlier then? Let's recap. I'll help Buck here in yeah. these little dementia time. Well, no, you, but, you called me out on it. Yes, so there is player of the year, NBC Larry Bird player of the year. There yeah. is sixth man of the year. Yep. There is newcomer of the year. Uh-huh. And then there is freshman of the year. Okay, so I just didn't you say. You said rookie of the year. Oh. Okay. We're not in the okay, NBA. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so I can get this started. Why um, don't you? If we want to get into it. Yeah. Um, I think I kind of want to go from the bottom up just because the bottom are going to be quick. And I think we kind of both agree on a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But a freshman year is, I believe, going to be Marquise uh, Domask from SIU. Yep. Um, I think he's one of the top freshmen out there, and he's really He's leading. also playing a bunch of minutes. Yeah, and I think that has to do Aaron Cook, I believe, on SIU, went down with an injury. So I think he's been able to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, it's sad, unfortunate events for uh, one player to go down. But having this young player step up, I think, is a huge part of their game. Um, so that's just, I think, do you have anything about – Freshman no, I year. would agree. I, I, I thought for a little bit that Marquise might make a run at him, but I really think that... That's a uh, fair... That's a, yeah. I, I don't think there's any really little chance. I think I think Loyola would have to win outright the regular season and Kennedy be the reason that they won. Like, I think there's very little chance that um, that Marquise wins it. Uh, I, I, no, other than that... I don't know. Fresh. Uh, there's not really too many other freshmen. Is Roman Penn a freshman at Drake? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. He's had mixed he's games too. He's either a so. newcomer or he's a freshman. But he's probably up there. Um, so, but no, I think I think it's at this point it's Marcus Domask's freshman of the year award to lose. Like I think he has got to be the odd, odds-on favorite, um, just based on his. Recent performances over the whole year. I think he just had like 28 points um, in a game in conference in their win last week. So, yeah, I I would say he's the freshman of the year. Um, Newcomer of the year is a little little more interesting because I think the one guy that everyone thought for sure was going to win because he was just killing it was DeAndre Williams. But then 
he got injured, and now he's only played, I think, 12 games or 13 games total, and he's only played, I think, like, four games. No, he did. I don't even think he's played a conference game or maybe one. Yeah, I think he's played one. Um, so now I, I don't think it's going to be him. Even if he came back tomorrow or the next game, Evansville's 0-10. He hasn't been playing any games. Like, you know, there, at some point you just have to cut off when overall games matter more than individual statistics. And I think that that point is now. So I don't think it's going to be DeAndre Williams for Newcomer of the Year. One guy that I think that interests me is Tate Hall. I don't think he's the favorite. But I would also say Gage Prim has got to be up there. See, that's where I would like to kind of figure out. It's going to be interesting how the Valley responds to Gage Prim because I think Prim is the sixth man of the year. And that, that's where I was going to go with that, too. Because he, for some reason, Missouri State, Dana Ford's playing him as the sixth man. And I think, yeah, there might be other six men that we don't really know or pay attention to, but I just know Prim is up there in the scoring. Yep. And in the domination of what his team's doing. So I'm, I'm kind of going to be kind of confused how they really do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be just really intrigued to see how things step up. I do think Tate Hall could make a push for newcomer. He is 11th in scoring in the Valley. So I, I think that will kind of shape things up. Um, he's 10th in points total. Um, so I think that's an important thing. Um, so, it's going to be definitely interesting um, for maybe, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be Prim, or I would have to say we're going to have to talk about Tate Hall. I definitely think Tate Hall definitely puts in the conversation. Again, things. similarly, I think if Tate Hall, or if Loyola wins the conference, then, you know, all these guys are going to get looks at, it. like when we won the conference last year and two years ago, like all these guys and are getting all these awards because the team is so successful. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's it's definitely I think Gage Prim, Tate Hall. Um, I think uh, Keith Fisher out of Illinois State has an outside shot. He did just win Newcomer of the Week this week. Um, and then besides that, I, I don't really know. It, newcomers are a little more challenging this year. I don't think uh, the most successful players in the league I think have been in the Valley for the past few years. Whether it's Freeman Liberty, AJ Green, Tyree Key. Um, obviously Cam, Keandre Cook, um, a lot of these guys that are successful are guys that have been in the league. Exactly, yeah. Um, Cause for, even Keandre Cook was a name I was thinking, but then Keandre's been, he's already been Yeah, here. he's been in the league. So I think right years. now, Prim, Tate Hall, um, really not much else. No, Roman Penn is a sophomore. I think he's a transfer though. I'm almost positive. I can look into that. I think one name that I actually just need to have to throw out there just to give Marquis Domes kind of a run for it would be uh, Robbins um, of Drake. Um, he actually is a freshman. Um, so uh, Liam Robbins, the seven-footer. Okay. So I think just valley-wise he's been going off. So I do think um, that's what it is. Yeah, Roman Penn is um, a newcomer. He played at Siena. Okay. Uh, so I think actually Roman Penn definitely would be considered a newcomer as well. Um, so I think right now we're going to add it again. Freshman of the year, Marquis Domas, pretty much ahead of the game. Yeah. Maybe Liam Robin just as a sleeper. Uh, Marquis Kennedy again on our side, going off in some games, especially during Valley play. Uh, six man and newcomer were kind of mixed. Uh, you got Prim that could be six man of the year, um, but with newcomer then we have Tate all ourselves, 
Prim, and then Roman Penn's up there, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a mix. But again, we're halfway through the year, so we don't know how people are going to finish differently and how things step up. Does Burhau come off the bench? Trey Burhau come off the bench for, for you and I? I? I've seen him start a few games. Yeah. And that's the thing is I think they, they're not really sure um, – how who and they've had some injuries exactly yeah. and then like Kimmins wasn't really starting I don't think and right he all. did he's not had a good year besides the game against us exactly so it's it's a mix of things for them mm-hmm. um, so I think again as we can look back at just who we've played against and yeah you see guys that we really don't know their names kind of going off uh, but Prim went great up against us so I think that name really sticks out to me um, so that's why it's more kind of prevalent that prim really goes off yeah there's um, a lot of guys i mean bench as a whole for this conference is is a little lacking i feel like like bench players uh, they, oh, I, the, the league has had a lot of injuries yeah um to to star players and just role players and so yeah. then you know you got to fill in um but yeah so i would i would say for me right now i i do think gauge prim is got a little leg up on tate I would have to say he's had for newcomers, for newcomer. But then that's the thing is Gage is probably he's probably even further ahead in six man. I think he's the number one six man, and close with Tate. I think he's close with Tate again. Is I think if Loyola if Loyola wins the Valley, it's going to be interesting again. Is let's be honest, we've talked this a little bit. The way the Valley hands out awards are really interesting, uh, not just in the main end season, but in weekly ones. Mm-hmm. They're never going to hand out a newcomer and a player of the week in the same sense. They'll usually give a newcomer, newcomer of the week, and the player of the week someone. So you rarely see the newcomer be also the same player of the week. So it's going to be interesting, I think. Marcus Domesk leads the Valley in in minutes per game. There you go. That's what I'm saying. So I think that's your easy front runner for um, freshman year. But I think everyone's tired of us kind of debating the ones that I, I'm are, kind of surprised that there aren't more. Like I think last year was because, options. and I, I'll just clear it here. I think last year we had a heavy transfer or transfer yeah. junior year. Yeah. Um, and then the only thing is Missouri State has a lot of transfers, and they just haven't. But been no good. one, yeah, exactly. No <laughs> yeah. one, no one's good. So I think that kind of solves us with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. let's get to the big question: the elephant in the room, um, and that is going to be what we right now believe is our MVC Larry Bird Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's not about we have to be also critical about what we care about and the the, the way we support things. And I think it is easy that to say that AJ Green is the front runner for that. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of how you and I I think finishes the year. Um, granted, if they win it all, I think that's a definite uh check mark next to his name for that. But he's just going off for them. He's averaging over twenty points a game, roughly. I think just about yeah. just about nineteen maybe. Um, and the kid's playing so tough. Um, I think we played great defense against Holdem, and he had, like, I think four turnovers. Um, and then even a quick second would have to be uh, Freeman Liberty mm-hmm. um, of Valpo, though Valpo really has been slow to kind of push. Um, quite honestly, you could, I, I was going to say a, a sleeper would ha- maybe be Marcus Domask, depending on how SIU finishes the, the yeah. year, because we've been talking about how they finish. Um, but I think a big team that could help give a big boost to a one certain guy, depending on how they finish, is the Loyola Ramblers could help Cameron Krawick, uh campaign for uh, Larry Bird Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that he got Player of the Week of, uh, two weeks ago, or last week, yeah. was a huge step in the fact that the Valley recognized his statistical line, his stat line, of the multiple areas and the points 
in the rebounds and the assists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just showed that this kid's everywhere on the court and he's there. Um, if we're going to be honest, I think he's third, tied for second at least with Freeman Liberty. Yeah. Um, and I think um, that's just what it needs to be. Um, but A.J. Green, easily the, the front man of all that uh, right now. And they just it's pure talent and pure amazing to see the Valley play. I'm... I I agree and I disagree. I Hit me with I that. honestly at this point, if season ended right now, I I would think the favorite just slightly would be Cam. Okay. I really do. I think just everything he does for the team. I and I I convinced myself by looking at the stats just right now. There's really nothing else. The only other thing that AJ Green does very very well is he is a great free throw shooter. And and. Excellent free throw shooter. He's ninety three percent. Yeah, that, he, was, that's he went like, on a forty four uh, straight free throws. Yeah, I mean he's he's a good three point shooter for sure in volume, but he's only shooting forty percent. There's nine other uh, players in the valley that are shooting better uh, from percentage wise from three point land. Uh, he does have the most makes as from three point uh, territory, but uh, in assists he's uh, he's ninth. Um, not nowhere to be found. Um, in f- just like overall field goal percentage, he is not anywhere to be found in the top fifteen for rebounds. I mean, that's not something he's found. You know, that's not what his bread and butter is. But what we did mention earlier was Cam is top five in scoring, in rebounding, in he's sixth in field goal percentage. He's third in assists per game. Um, and he's top five in steals, uh, and he's top 10 in block shots and he's top, uh, he's seventh right now in assist to turnover ratio. So, I mean, Cam is really doing it all. I really think that, um, that defenses are playing differently when they play us and Loyola and Cameron Krautwig's on the court, just visually when I watch them play, when Cam is off the court, they are a far worse team it's very evident in my opinion so i don't know i mean i think it's close don't get me wrong i don't think it's like oh cam for sure but i i think he would win it i so really do. i think it's for i'm gonna end it here on my end i think yeah. it's gonna come down to what they value yeah and the thing is he's improved so much camera crowbuck in rebounding rebounding he yeah. leads the valley and that's just a shocker to me because he's improved so much with rebounding the scoring i do think has taken a dip a little bit. Um, it's not as big of a step up as I thought it was. No, be. exactly. He's only like averaging, I think, like just a point more. Exactly. Than and last and year. I'm not saying it's a dip, meaning it's a negative. It's just like uh, we all had these high expectations of 18 points a game. Yeah. And 20 it's points here, 25 like points 16. there. But the thing is, because those points aren't there, he's doing so many other things. Yeah. And that's the assists are so high. The re- I think the rebounding to me is a, such an amazement to see because he's rebounding so much. I think that's just crazy. He's mm-hmm. second in assists in all of the Valley, and he's a center. Yeah. So um, th- that's the thing. I don't need him to be anywhere crazy with blocked or uh, blocked shots, but he is fifth in steals. Um, so that's just a crazy stat to really have. Yeah. So he's definitely got it. He's definitely got the, the goods. It just depends on what they see. And also I think – it's going to depend on who wins the Valley. I yeah. think that's a big push. I think if especially anyone... if like a team wins by two games, like if, if a team ends up finishing two games ahead of the next team, whether it's Northern Iowa, SIU, or us, or someone else, like I think then that player will for sure be the player of the year. 
But then it's trickier if someone ties. Then it's like, oh, like last year when we tied with Drake, you know, it was uh, between McGlynn and Marcus Towns, really. So, um, but I do think that Cam has that pedigree from last year of being, he finished third in voting. So I think that a lot of voters already know about him. True, true. Not that they don't know about A.J. Green. But But they're also, uh, they're familiar with his name being on the list, let's be honest. Yeah, um, but I, I... it's going to be exciting, let's put it that way. I think that um, over the next bit, uh, it's going to be exciting. The one thing I did just find out, so uh, on MVC Sports, like on their stats page, mm-hmm. it says that to be ranked, a player must appear in at least 65% of their team's games. Uh, DeAndre Williams, who is in a bunch of these categories, scoring, rebounding, field goal percentage, stuff like that, He's only played in 15 games for Evansville, and Evansville has played 23. Mm-hmm. So if he misses the next game, he'll have played in 15 of 24, and that's less than 65% of their games. Yeah, he's so got then, the rest of the, the yeah. season. Yeah, 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 but then it becomes, you know, every game after that he misses, it's harder to make it exactly. up. Exactly, yeah, yeah, no. If he misses just, more games, understood. So it would be interesting, because right now Cam is right behind him in points per game at 5th. Um, and then, well, I think for points per game, it's uh, kind of a not a good one to look at because like Tyree Key has only played twenty one games. So if you look at just straight points, yeah, Cam is fourth for sure. And then yeah. he's only four points away from Tyree Key, um, so then he would be in third. Yeah, I yeah. don't think he's gonna catch AJ Green or no. Javon Freeman Liberty. No. <laughs> they both are having ridiculous years, um, but I think he's definitely can. I think he's putting up points there. Yeah. So quickly, uh, five players first team. First team? I mean, we've mentioned three, so I think on all of our both of our lists, it's definitely Cam, AJ Green, and Javon Freeman Liberty. Yeah, um, I, I think that's it. I think you might see Prim there. Um, even though, quite honestly, he's played a six-man, I, I don't know why he's not playing as a starter. He, they um, have started him, I think, in like two of the last three games. They, yeah. They're changing it up because they're really struggling. Yeah, the only other players, like... This year has been so weird, quite honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, no one's really but stood out. I think the way I think one person that'd be interesting to see how Zach Copeland finishes the season. Yeah. Um, he is going off for Illinois State as a fifteen point three points a game. Um, and he was one of the people that were projected somewhere in uh the first or second team, maybe even third team. Yeah, I think um, he was second team if I remember correctly, but he was yeah. on. There. So Javon Free- uh, Freeman, Liberty, uh, AJ Green, Cameron Crutwig. I'm going to put Zach Copeland, um, and then a fifth one, I, oh, I'm going to say uh, Darrell Brown, um, oh, Bradley. I think that's a name that uh, people definitely know and they're familiar with, and he did great last year, and I think he's leading this team. No one on Drake. Um, SIU, um, I think Marquis Domas definitely is playing well, but not first team. No one on Evansville. No one on uh, Illinois State would be the Zach Copeland, but it's depending on how they finish. Uh, Drake, no. It, it, it's just an interesting year, but I think definitely – the guys we've mentioned are grade five. Okay, um, so I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna have uh, two different names. There we go. Let me hear it. So I do think Tyree Key. He's had the like the pedigree in the valley. He's been. I think he was. He might have been first team last year, or if not, he definitely was second team. Definitely, yeah. Um, so I think he's a a lock at this point if he just can continues to do what he's doing. Indiana State's a pretty good. They're back and forth. Um, they've won I think three in a row. So. They're, they're, they're pretty good. Um, and then I think the last spot goes to the role player from either Loyola 
or um, to you and I, depending on who wins uh, the Valley. So if you and I wins, uh, I think it could be Trey Burhau, who has been doing really well for you and I. He's averaging 14.2 points a game. He's definitely their second best scorer. He's yep. shooting very well from three. And I think if Loyola wins, I think Tate, Tate Hall is. Going I definitely to think Tate is second team, and I definitely yeah. think it just like you said. I think you've, we've said it now a lot recently toward the end is who fit how they teams finish. Yeah, and I I know that like my opinion is different. I think than a lot of the voters that I've seen. I really do personally value how the team does as a whole. I think that like teams should be rewarded for doing, especially winning the conference, um, and I think that. Teams should have at least two guys uh, within the first two teams, and like three guys total within the three teams mm-hmm. if they win the league. That's just my opinion. That's, but, yeah, um, that's fun. It was a, that was fun to talk about. It definitely kind of opened my eyes a little bit to like the conference as a whole. I, there's there's a few really really good players at the top, and then kind of a lot of role players. I think especially in and we're not trying to hate on it, but it's just the facts that are presented to us. Missouri State had such this high potential in roster and all these transfers, and they're dropping toward the bottom of the tier. Yeah. And I think you're seeing names like Tate Hall step up in the Valley. And I don't think we really expected that to be a top player in the Valley. No. But Tate Hall is, and there's great that's great things for us to see. Um, so I think that's just exciting to see how the, the rest of the half of the conference play goes. Yep. Cool. All right, well, that was a full episode. Uh, we got a lot in. Uh, we're getting close to the crunch time of the season, man. It's It's been exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to the last few games of the year. Got a few really important home games coming up. Uh, this week, we're away at Indiana State and then home on Sunday, I believe, to Valpo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I do think this is a week we can go 2-0. I think last week was was a little more difficult. Uh, I Indiana State's doing pretty well recently. Like I mentioned, they've won three in a row. Um, they have a couple really good scorers, but I think that if Cam wants to, he can go off against this team, and that's what, what he's going to need to do against Indiana State on the road. Have your veterans step up and really show out. Um, and then at home against Valpo, uh, just more of the same old. Let's hold Javon Freeman Liberty. Uh, make someone else beat you and hold the role players to, to respectful games. Nothing nothing crazy. We don't need another Eric McGill. Yep. So that's, I think, my keys this week to a 2-0 week. Yeah, no, I think it's play the play the defense you played against Bradley. Uh, don't let one guy, while you're defending one guy, the top scorer, don't let another guy sneak by. Um, but then also bench. I think bench I'd like bench. to see a little, a little yep. bit more. I was a little concerned with the Bradley game, only four bench points and only coming from Marquise Kennedy. Um and then shout out to Ahiro Keep doing what you're doing. I think yeah. you're actually valued right now in these past two games. So I think you you don't know how much impact you'll help um, down the stretch and then into the conference tournament and then hopefully into the NCAA tournament. Cool. That was fun. Let's do it again next week. You free next week? I'm free next week. Let's do it next week. One year and one podcast later. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. It's been another episode of Podcast 63. Thank you all to everyone who's listened for a year. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and don't forget, always remember, Go Blurs.